Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. The tax collectors, John actually said, Collect no more than what is appointed to you. In other words, stop cheating people. Stop trying to walk on others to make yourself into a better position and place. You see, you don't have to be a tax collector to do that. Stop taking advantage of other people for your own benefit. That can be in a multitude of things, whether that be in in finances or in time or whatever it might be. Do you realize that the moment you call yourself a Christian or a born-again believer, the world places a microscope on you? Unbelievers are watching you. They are watching the way you live. They are watching how you act under pressure. And they want to see if what you say is genuine in your own life. Today, Pastor David will be encouraging us to abide in Jesus the vine so we can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Calling yourself a Christian isn't enough. You need to bear fruits of repentance. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Fruits of Repentance. In my backyard, our backyard, we have an orange tree. And actually, to be more precise, it's not an orange tree. It's a tangelo tree. Some of you have tasted the, the, the benefits and the fruit of that tangelo tree. Is usually it produces much more than, than we can deal with, and so we bring it here. But in the early stages, how do we know that it's a tangelo tree? Well, there's actually a few ways that we can look and begin to believe that it's a tangelo tree, but there's really only one certain way outside of scientific tests and all, but just to the normal eye, there's really only one certain way. Some of the general ways that we can look at is we can look at this tree and we can see that it looks like a citrus tree. I mean, the type of bark that it is, the shape of the tree itself, uh, it's definitely not a pine tree. Praise God, it's not a eucalyptus tree. It's some kind of a citrus tree. But you can't really tell for sure that it's a tangelo tree at that point. There's certain times of the year that it blossoms out, and oh, just the beauty and the aroma of those citrus blossoms, uh, they can actually be overwhelming, and if you have sinuses, they can really be overwhelming. But you can't really tell by the blossoms whether it's an orange tree, a grapefruit tree, or a lime tree. You, you just can't really tell. But after those blossoms bloom, they leave behind them a little bitty piece of fruit about the size of a BB that's, that's on the tree. And even at that point, it could still be a variety of number of citrus that are grown in this area on a similar looking tree. There's only one way that you can know for certain that it's a tangelo tree, and that's when the fruit 
has grown out and matured, then we know for sure. Then we harvest the fruit, we taste it, we enjoy it, and we know it for what it is. It's a tangelo tree. Now we're currently in the book of Luke, in chapter 3 of the book of Luke. But a little bit further ahead in Luke, Jesus says that every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Then he adds this one other verse. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? You and I are known in this world, as well as in the kingdom, by the fruit of our lives. The fruit of our lives. There's a commercial, fairly popular, probably well-known commercial that's been around in different versions for quite a while. And in essence, it's a commercial for a credit card. And at the end of that commercial, the the spokesman says something along the line of, uh, what's in your wallet? Well, I want to steal that a little bit this morning, and I want to rephrase that, and I want to ask you the question, what fruit is hanging on your tree? What's hanging on your tree in your life? When we looked a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of chapter 3, we focused on the person of John the Baptist and that portion of his ministry there where he's baptizing there in the Jordan River. And as we looked there in verse 3, it spoke about the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And I spoke about the biblical truth that the act of baptism does not give the remission or the pardon or the forgiveness or the deliverance from sin. Baptism represents that our sins have already been pardoned, already forgiven, already canceled out, already remitted. So bringing us back to the situation of John here at the Jordan River, let's continue on in this study in verse or in chapter three. And I want to pick it up in verse seven. Remember, this is the place that as John was baptizing there on the Jordan, that a multitude had come and surrounded him. And in and among that multitude, there were Pharisees and Sadducees. They came down to John to be baptized. And we know that these Pharisees and Sadducees are there because in uh, Matthew's version of this story, Matthew brings out that this next statement that John speaks is actually to these Pharisees and to these Sadducees. We quickly see that these religious leaders came, but they, they didn't have the heart of repentance. They cared nothing about uh, change of life. They had absolutely no thought in their mind to change their actions of life. They were only there for the religious show. But John would have no part of it. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, this is particularly, he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, you brood of vipers, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. 
And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Let me repeat that last portion there to you. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. When we look at verse 8, we see that John is zeroing in on this idea of our lives bearing fruit. Fruits worthy of repentance. And again, he's not saying go and do good works in order to be saved. A more clear understanding would be if you really have repented, or as we would say today, if you really are saved, if you really are born again, then you need to be living your life in a way that demonstrates that you've changed. He continues with his charge against them by saying, You can't trust in your pedigree or your nationality. He says to them, do do not begin to say to yourself that we have Abraham as our father. Most all of them believe that since they were of Jewish heritage, that they must have some favor with God. After all, didn't God choose the Jews? But John tells them how little importance pedigree or nationality is particularly as compared to a true relationship with God. He says that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. It's amazing the arrogance that some people have, even before Almighty God. And I don't think that that's limited to the first century. But the arrogance even that people today have, when they come before God, when they speak of God, when their lives are supposed to be a representation of God, the arrogance that we can have. And even today, people in their arrogance and in their pride, they puff up, they're puffed up with titles and positions, their, their pedigree or their economic status, expecting that to hold a place for them because of their status, because of their position, because of their financial abilities, that there ought to be a place for them in the kingdom of God. But not only that, how about those who've held positions and, or currently hold positions in churches? Yeah, there's a lot of people today that, that becomes a heady thing. That becomes an arrogance-filled thing, a pride-filled thing. Why, I've been a Sunday school teacher for over 30 years. Why, I'm on the board of trustees or the elders or the deacons or whatever the power brokers of that particular church or denomination are. Some even because they're a member of a church. and We've been members here at this church for three generations. My family and I are charter members of this church. Why, my family has financially held this church together for years. And believe me, folks, I've heard each one of these. Praise God, I don't believe that I've heard them here with this fellowship, but I have heard them in other churches that we've been a part of. What John is saying here is basically your position, your status, your title really doesn't mean very much in the kingdom of God because it's an earthly position. It's earthly status because God can very easily raise someone else up into that position and into that place at any time. What matters most is your heart and your heart's response to the spirit of God. 
These Pharisees and Sadducees, they were fakes. They were, they were frauds. They were hypocrites. They looked religious, but they weren't redeemed. They were nothing more than just religious-looking sinners. Okay. Now, I look out on the crowd this morning, and I realize we're all sinners. Amen? Yeah, a few of you, yeah, amen. But, uh, that ought to be as hearty as that ear- earlier amen, you know? But there should be a difference. We are redeemed sinners. And that's a whole lot more different. Bad English, but it's a lot more different than religious sinners, okay? There's a lot of religious sinners that darken the doors of churches every week and throughout the week. Religious sinners, but not redeemed. We need to be redeemed. And there's a world of difference between being religious and redeemed. John knew that these Pharisees, that these Sadducees, they were religious, but they had not repented. Therefore, they were not redeemed. And so he gave them this very strong warning. He said, even now in verse nine, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John came as the one preparing the way for the Messiah. God had revealed to them that soon, very soon, the Messiah was going to appear. And so I'm sure that the words of the Lord through Malachi, the prophet that had spoken hundreds of years prior, were in John's head even as he spoke that day. The Lord had spoken through Malachi hundreds of years prior to John the Baptist these words. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. It will leave them neither root nor branch. The time of judgment was soon at hand, and yet even at that, they still had time to repent. Do you catch that? These guys came down to be baptized, and John says, no. You go and do works and deeds of repentance. There was still an opportunity for them to change their lives, to change the focus and the drive of their lives. And instead of being religious to truly be redeemed, there was still that opportunity. And even today, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you truly desire to be a part of God's kingdom, then you need to have a changed heart Jesus said, you need to be born again. You need to possess a heart and a spiritual life that will bear good fruit. Otherwise, your your life and your heart is a demonstration that you really aren't a part of the kingdom of God. And according to God's word, you're destined to be cut down and thrown into the fire. So, what's hanging on your tree? Teaching about John the Baptist's ministry is fun stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Well, it is if, you're, if you are among the redeemed. But if you're not among the redeemed, then it hopefully will cut to the very core of your life. If you are part of the kingdom, if you're walking in obedience, then we look at this and say, wow, Lord, you, you saved me in spite of me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, for your grace, for your mercy that we sang of this morning. But if you're not walking in obedience and if you're not really a part of the kingdom, my prayer this morning is the teaching would cut into the very core of your heart because I'd rather you be cut to the core of your being and repent here today than to later be cut down and thrown into the fire. So what's hanging on your tree? 
Let's move on because there's also this great multitude of others here. Not just these religious hypocrites, but there's a multitude of people all around John that are probably like most of us today. They want to do the right thing. They want to honor God in their lives. And they just didn't know how best to do that. So the people ask him saying, what shall we do then? This is verse 10. Now they ask an honest, they ask a very practical question. And John gave them an honest and a practical answer. Look at what he says in verse 11. He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Well, some might say, well, that's a social gospel. Well, I don't look at it so much as a social gospel, but it's a gospel that impacts the society that we live in. And beloved, if we truly are a part of the kingdom of God, we ought to impact in a positive way the society that we're living in. We're going to have an opportunity, uh, even as a church here in a couple of months, to join together with Trinity Lutheran Church as well as some other churches in the area with a Habitat for Humanity rebuilding of a house here in Casa Grande. This house, they're going to have to take the entire roof and all the trusses off, nearly gut the entire thing, and they're looking for volunteers from the faith community, that's part of who you are, uh, from the faith community to come together with various others. That means cross-denominational lines, and that means we got to rub elbows. And I was joking with Mark Chase, the pastor over at Trinity Lutheran, and I said, you mean we've got to work with Lutherans? We joked about that because that, that's a wonderful thing. And we're going to be doing it not for a member of Mark's church, not for a member of our church, not for a member of any church. So far as we know, this lady, single mom with four children, doesn't go to church anywhere. But you know what? She's going to be out at that work site. And so every day when we're out there working, whether it be folks from our fellowship or from another fellowship, we can share the love of Christ. And we can do it in a tangible, real way by helping build a house for her. If you've got two tunics... And you need to give to one that doesn't have any. Do the finances of your life demonstrate the fruitfulness of righteousness within your life? Or does it demonstrate the selfishness of life? Let's move on before he starts meddling. Verse 12 says, then the tax collectors, that's the IRS agents of the time, okay. They came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, nothing, there's no hope for you guys. No, (laughs) there's hope even for IRS agents, okay? I'm reminded of the time years and years ago, I was was preaching actually in uh, Proverbs chapter six and a portion of that Proverbs has one of those verses that say that there's, you know, five things that the Lord disdains. Yes, there's even six. And so I started enumerating these five things. I got down to the sixth one and I said, and the sixth one was used car salesman. And of course that got a big laugh, you know, what I tried for. And after the service, we were a fairly small fellowship at that point in time. After the service, uh, a visitor, of course, uh, came up to me and with a big smile on his face and pastor really enjoyed that message. Really, really, spoke to me. Oh, great. Glad to have you. And he said, and by the way, I'm a used car salesman. <laughs> so uh, after I tried to fall all over myself in apology, he laughed and he said, no, no, I, I understood what you're saying. It's not a problem. Not a problem. Well, if you're here today or you're listening in on the radio or, in, or you're on the internet and you work for the Internal Revenue Service, let me share two quick things with you. Number one, 
there is hope even for you. Okay? And number two, make sure and hold on to all of your old emails. Okay? Don't, don't lose your emails. Some of you will understand that. Some of you won't. Okay, enough of this. Let's get back. To the tax collectors, John actually said, collect no more than what is appointed to you. In other words, stop cheating people. Stop trying to walk on others to make yourself into a better position and place. You see, you don't have to be a tax collector to do that. Stop taking advantage of other people for your own benefit. That can be in a multitude of things, whether that be in, in finances or in time or whatever it might be. As a matter of fact, time and time again through the Scripture, and we'll look at this in a moment, the Word says we ought to look out for the benefits of others before we look out for our own benefits. Beloved, that's kingdom living. It's not the way that the world does it. I understand that. But it is kingdom living. He says in verse 14 that likewise the soldiers ask him, saying, what shall we do? And so he said to them, don't intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. Let's just throw that one out there for a moment, okay? I don't believe that these Roman soldiers were going to their superiors and saying, hey, I'm discontent with my wages. I don't believe that they went with a formal thing and said, you know, I've been with you so many years and this is the jobs that I do and I'm wondering if I might be able to get a raise. I, I don't believe that that's what's going on. I believe that what was going on was the murmuring and complaining among the ranks. The way my boss treats us, man, can you imagine? He's asking us to work overtime this week and he knows what's going on. Mumbling and murmuring and complaining. Do you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt as they were crossing the wilderness. Remember the great sin of their life was murmuring and complaining. Now, if you have a righteous and a right thing to bring to your boss, then bring it to your boss. But don't murmur and complain among the ranks. You know what that does? That just causes strife. That just builds up anger among others. It brings dissension. That's not kingdom living. Divisiveness is of the enemy. He says, don't intimidate anyone. Don't accuse them falsely. Beloved, these are just regular, normal things that you and I, we would think that we as the body of Christ would understand. We shouldn't live our lives that way. But I've known Christians serve the Lord and wanted to even serve in ministry, and yet a lot of their personality was almost intimidation. That's how they motivated people. That's not of the Lord. That's of the enemy. Now you need to understand that as John looks at these people, I don't believe that it was necessarily a spiritual gift of knowledge that the Lord was giving him as these people came up and said, you know, what do we do? I believe that John clearly understood the society that he lived in. And I believe that the society that John lived in in that day isn't a whole lot different than the society we live in today. Oh, sure, we have more technology and we have paved roads and we have air conditioning, but you know what? The heart of the people remains the same. I believe that he understood that by and large, people were selfish and they cared more about themselves than they did others. I believe that John knew that the practice of these publicans or these tax collectors was to take more taxes in order to fatten their own wallets at the expense of others. Open our hearts, 
hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.